Hi, I'm Mora. Uh, welcome to Smileys. Tonight we have a special episode for you with not one, not two, but three <laughs> Malaysian guest fans. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Lee. Hi, Lee. Do you want to introduce our guests? Hello, Mora. I'm joined tonight by uh, Wes, uh, Tri, and Baronian. All three are mods in the Muslim subreddit. Uh, would you gents like to introduce yourselves before I do it? Sure. Uh, I'm a sub. I'm or I'm a I'm a mod. My I'm u slash uh, socksboys420. That's uh, a silly goofy name. Uh, but yeah, that's me. So hey, Wes, welcome. Yeah, and uh, I'm uh, Tryonis, also referred to as Try. Um, I also moderate the subreddit, and uh, yeah, happy to be here. Glad to have you, Try. I'm Baronian. I'm a long-time reader and loving the series, so I was happy to become a mod, and I'm very happy to be here to join for this talk. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you all. Um, so before we begin, uh, just we're just going to have a casual chat, just keep it light and, you know, you're not going to like get into any huge details or anything. Uh, so it's just a casual conversation and spoilers, I think we will limit to the 10 books, only the Book of the Fallen. I think all of us have read more than that, but we'll just stick to <laughs> the 10 books, right? Uh, so do you guys want to just tell me like how exactly did you get into Malaysia? What drew you to it or what sold you to it? How did you pick it up? Yeah, so I had read, or I've, I've been reading fantasy for a long time um, and my best friend, uh, he came up to me one day, he picked up gardens because we both worked at Barnes and Noble together. Um, and he came up to me and he's like, dude, you have to read this. This is going to be your favorite book. Uh, so we kind of started it together at the same time. Um, and I don't know the, the very, like, even before I knew it was like, you know, came out of Esselmont in Erickson's like D and D days and stuff. There was just a real like D and D feel to it, which as a, as someone who's also played a lot of D and D that really appealed to me. Um, and also like as, as somebody who wants to be a writer and uh, who also, you know, like I, I also major in philosophy uh, Erickson, he's not only a phenomenal writer, but he also goes into a lot of philosophical places that are really interesting that really just drew my attention. So the, the more I got into Malzahn, the more uh, like obsessed with it, I became uh, and, you know, I, I got pulled to the sub because I was like, I, I have to figure out what other people are saying about this. Um, and yeah, I just, I fell completely headlong into, into Malz and finished the main 10 in like, I don't know, two months or something. I, I like blew through them super quickly. Uh, I've reread them about three times, including, you know, all the extra stuff like Carcanus and everything. But yeah, that's, that's more or less how I got into it was my, my best friend, like is basically the the equivalent of being gifted heroin from someone. <laughs> uh, try? Uh, yeah. So much like Wes, I've, I've always been a fantasy fan. Um, you know, started with the Lord of the Rings as a, as a kid, like got read those like a billion times. Uh, then later as an adult, I, after a period of, sort of not reading for a while, I started reading like other fantasy stuff, you know, stuff like, you know, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, Wheel of Time, stuff like that. And then one day I was, I was actually browsing the uh, uh, fantasy subreddit and uh, there was a recommendation thread and I was, I was looking for something to read and uh, someone mentioned Molasson and, and said, 
oh, it's 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 like really like subversive, and uh, um, I was you know in the mood for something something different. I was I was coming right off uh, Wheel of Time, which is you know I, I really like it, but it's it's you know it's very traditional in a lot of ways, and uh, I was ready for something different. So I I picked up Guardians of the Moon. I got hooked in the um, epigraph for chapter two. Uh, that's the um, where the poem is about. The, that's the poem about uh, the two cities, right? That's chapter two, I think, or is it chapter one? That's chapter two. Um, I read that epigraph, and and at the end there's this one line um, that just like I read it, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is this is me, and it's that um, line that goes, uh, the strong city fell first. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, this is this is setting up some stakes. Uh, I like this. And uh, yeah, uh, fast forward uh, a few years, and uh, suddenly I am moderating the Molasses Serpented. I've read the series three times, uh, and yeah, no turning back. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so I'm kind of pretty came a bit uh, late to fantasy, so I, um, I I found out about it mostly through Lord of the Rings when the movies came out. So it was like I think 2003. Yeah, uh, I was pretty, yeah, I was, I think, 17. And I didn't know, I got uh, the books for Christmas. Everybody was in this Lord of the Rings fever back then. <laughs> and yeah. so I read them, I loved them. And then I found out that I have an aunt. Uh, okay, I knew that I had an aunt before, but uh, now I found out that she loved reading fantasy books. I didn't know that. And so I got a lot of books from her. And um, all in German. So I started reading fantasy in German. So and at some point, I explored further. Then um, Song of Ice and Fire was another start. And then I realized that in Germany, they uh, publish every book, every English book in two German books. So we don't have like five uh, Song of Ice, uh, not five books, uh, ten books. And every German book costs a little bit more than one English book. So as a poor student, I said, okay, no, <laughs> not with me. Uh, I have to read them in English. So I started reading in English and I realized that it's so much better than German. Really much better. Uh, and then um, so then I found this this blog. It still exists. I think fantasy book blog or something, fantasy book critics. I think fantasy book critic blog. And they talked about uh, how it was a review of, I think, Tall the Hounds, so the eight book. And they said how amazing the series is. And it sounds really, wow, I just, I just thought I have to read this. And I read the first book, Gardens of the Moon, and it was, hmm, I don't know what's happening here, but it's kind of interesting. Let's go on. I don't know. I read the second book, and it was much better, but also very, very depressing. So I thought, okay. And then came the third book, Memories of Ice. And I still know it was like, this is, um, yeah, 12 years ago. So I still remember where I was and what I did when I read the ending of book three. I was walking, pacing through my apartment with the book in my hand. I couldn't, I couldn't sit down. I had to walk. I was reading about all the bridge burners dying. And I was so sad. It was so sad. And then I was hooked. And... Then I thought, okay, now I know where this series is going. And I was so wrong. As we all know, this Ericsson surprises you all the time with his ambition and with his, he's going places you can't imagine. That, yeah, 
And so I got really, really hooked. And as soon as I found out that there's this thing about called Reddit, <laughs> I joined there, looked for a book Reddit, and I love the community there. So I got very involved, and then uh, I also became a mod. So yeah, that's my story. Your origin story, yeah. <laughs> So uh, I think uh, if I'm going to ask you your favorite books, if it's Toll the Hounds, I think you should just tell me your second favorite book because <laughs> everyone <laughs> is going to pick that one. <laughs> so uh, just just let me know your, not you? Oh, good, good. Oh, that's that's interesting. But yeah, go on, Wes. If it's Toll the Hounds, fine. I like <laughs> so. Yeah, so uh, my, two, like, my two favorite books of all time, spanning all genres, are Forge of Darkness and Toll the Hounds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Toll the Hounds topped my list, um, followed uh, very closely by The Crippled God. I often see these posts where the people rank the books. I mean, it's a favorite pastime on the Reddit, of course. And I think I can do that. I I can't really rank them. That's I don't know how to do it. So, and for a long time, till my third read of all the of the series, I never had a favorite because I loved all of them for different reasons. But nowadays, I think Bone Hunters. Bone Hunters is my number one. Because <laughs> there's some, I don't know why, I mean, there of course, some amazing scenes in it, but also so many things starting coming together. It's, this is, it's, it feels like it's a turning point. And it is the turning point. We just had uh, Midnight Tides, but we still get a new <laughs> continent and new people, everything. And it, it really makes click and you know, okay, the end game started. And for that reason, right now, I think it can change, of course. Right now, this is my number one, but only by a tiny bit, because all of them have, nah, I have great, uh, have so many great elements. So I think, but I can tell you what more the downside is that uh, that gates. It's like at the um, that house is at the end of the, my favorite. That house is your list, least so. favorite. Yeah, I just find it too too uh, too um, bleak often. I mean. It is, yeah. I love Children's Are Dying. This, the, the, the quote from uh, Lois is amazing. I love that scene. Uh, but it's really, really, really brutal. And I'm glad that the series didn't continue on with that tone, that it changed. But it, it took some time to change. I mean, if you look at the me uh, memories of Isis, it's also very dark in many places. But it's, it's I don't know. It has a, and the ending is very brutal. But I know that house gates was for me very difficult. No, I think Memories of Ice was a little balanced in terms of humor, isn't it? Like we had so much of the Marines and uh, everyone was quite, you know, quite lighthearted. Uh, all those Itkovian Hetan uh, interactions and things like that. There was a lot of uh, levity in between, but that house gates just doesn't give you a break. I, uh, I could. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, that um, Featherson, I've really fought with her, and and the chain of dogs, of course, and at least the dog survived. I mean, is that a reality we wanted or needed? The two dogs survived in the end. I mean, there's the one scene with uh, with the captain getting demoted to sergeant. Uh, yeah, no, oh, yeah. uh, what was it? Mincer, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. Uh, this was. I don't remember the names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mincer was it? I think it's Captain Mincer of the uh, Cybers, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I think he got promoted to captain, wasn't that way? No, or, or his, his sergeant? Yeah. Was he was, was already it? a captain, and this guy makes him a sergeant or something. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he feels very happy yeah. that, you know, <laughs> finally I'm out of this role. 
<laughs> I think that was the only joke. That was the single joke in the entire Dead House Gates, probably. Lee, do you want to tell us your favorite book? Oh, God. Okay. Uh, so, it changes, because of course it does. Uh, on the first read, I loved Numbers of Ice. Then I read The Bone Hunters, and that became my favorite. And then I finished the series, and I loved The Gribble God. So, I can't really rank them, because... Except for the fact that I don't really like the Letheri storylines in general. I like everything else, but upon retrospect, like every book has its strengths that I appreciate, right? I recently reread House of Chains and the Midnight Tides. I didn't love Midnight Tides on a reread, but it's still good. I really liked House of Chains on a reread, even though I didn't love it on the first read. So, and at this point, I'm going through the Bone Hunters and I still like it, so I'm not sure. And I haven't gotten Told the Hounds on a reread yet to say that, oh yeah, yeah, it's Told the Hounds, because I wasn't that big a nerd when I started reading, and by the time I got to the Hounds, I was like, okay, well, yeah, we'll get through this too. Uh, so I would have to say The Bone Hunters, because it's the book that stuck with me the most, followed or between that, The Crippled God on a reread, Dead House Gates, probably. So when I get to Told the Hounds, it'll probably be Told the Hounds, let's be honest. <laughs> No, I, I, I agree with uh, like Boronian. Like, I've never been able to rank all these books because, you know, they, they're the sort of, uh, every, each book has its own strength and there is something to like in each one. Mm-hmm. So I've never done that. But on this reread, I'm able to see that I enjoy things which are not set in the desert, like Dead House Gates <laughs> and House of Chains are, are you know, <laughs> I'm not enjoying them. And Bone Hunters to some extent, but, you know, the... I don't know. I think this week just changed my mind because it just it just blew me away. There was so much. The writing just picked up, isn't it? From book six. There, we talk about a shift from game, uh, Gardens of the Moon to Dead House Gates. But I think there is a much bigger shift once the once it starts with all the philosophy things, like all these uh, discussions on civilization. And, you know, there is so much going on under the surface. And uh, yeah, obviously, on, the, on my first read, I never picked up on any of those because I just wanted to know what's happening. Just the plot, so <laughs> so I don't know. I have probably memories of ice is what is uh, what has stuck with me on this reread. So let's see, let's see. Uh, it's going to change once we you know finish all the all ten. So uh, you guys, uh, do you, uh, you know you've seen all this art and all these uh, paintings and things like that which are being shared. Is there any particular scene or something that you want to see personally? Like not many people have addressed it or something is there any like image which is stuck in your head which you know you wish somebody would paint it um to me one of the most powerful scenes in the entire series is uh at the end of bone hunters where they uh get covered in like the honey and stuff and they all start having these really intensely hallucinogenic um experiences as they're like trying to get out from underneath the egaton um and the writing there is some of the most beautiful writing I have like personally ever read. Um, Erickson just really taps into something really like, really just like profoundly like melancholic. Um, and I don't know, I've, I've never seen anybody like talk about that scene that much. Um, so it, it, I think it'd be cool to have some sort of like, I don't know. I don't know how you could present it in art other than just like, separate characters and like a tapestry of what they're experiencing. But that is something I've always wanted to see explored more is, is that scene in particular. Cause I, even now, like that is a standout in my mind of like anything I've read is that passage or that chapter or whatever it is in bone hunters. Yeah. The, the God bringer honey, all of them have dreams of their, their respective gods. 
I think, yeah, that would make a, you know, a nice uh, tapestry, as you say, because each one has their own uh, vision. And I think it's only Korik <laughs> who stays out of it because he doesn't have any, any gods visiting him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice scene to have. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything to try? Uh, so this is a, this is a difficult question because like, first of all, there's been so many amazing pieces done of, of like some crazy scenes. Um, and these books are so big that there's still like so much ground that hasn't been covered. So I was thinking about it while, while Wes was talking and, and uh, I would love to see. Um, and, and this is a scene that has kind of been, been depicted really well. Uh, it's in Memories of Ice where at the end when uh, Moonspawn is rising from the, from the ocean. But I would like to see it focused on Corlat as she is uh, grieving uh, Wishy Jack. So it's already been depicted as in like the huge epic. Uh, I'm doing hand gestures even though I'm, I'm not on camera. I <laughs> um, can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> these, these like this like huge massive scene, you know, really pulled back, and you can see everything that's happening. But like, I would like to, I would love to see like a more like personal and intimate take on 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 that whole thing yeah i mean that art was really amazing isn't it we had it on the sub recently because <laughs> yeah. that, that was a great way to depict Corlette, uh, the warrior yeah, but as you say the personal grief would make would make a lot of difference isn't it like the rain mixing with her tears or something like that isn't that how the book describes it something like that mm-hmm. uh yeah so, something like like that but you know worded better because Ericsson is is is, <laughs> is a better writer than than I am at least um, yeah Boronin uh, do you have any scene you want to see yes it's from Bone Hunters and it's a scene um, on the boat yeah on the boat when it's Quint and Absala talking they are pretending yeah. they don't know each other it's it's one of my favorite scenes it's such a small scene but it really breaks my heart sometimes because it's like both both have this huge burden on this on their on them on, their, on them, and then they talk and say, "Hey, I don't know what what you did. I don't know who you are." And <laughs> both are lying, which you don't know at the moment. The first movie you read it for the first time, you think, "Oh, they really don't know," and you as a reader know the first time that you as a reader know something, the the, <laughs> the figures don't know, and of course, it's wrong. <laughs> you know as much as they know, and. I would love it. Like I have this image in my head that they, it's very, it's kind of dark and they're hanging, uh, leaning to the railing of of the boat, looking down or something. Yeah, so that's that's something I would love to see. And I also another scene which came to mind. I don't know. I can't remember, but maybe maybe I just forgot. Do we have a, a, a one artwork of Rake killing Hood in Tall the Hounds at the end and everybody I watching? Because I'm imagining that could so. be. Great. I Someone so. did it. One which is called, uh, it, ha- it had a very fancy name. The whole uh, color scheme was like pastel colors or something. That was an the, excellent painting. Uh, do you remember, do you guys? The one I remember seeing is like, the only way I can describe it, and I don't know if this will make sense to you guys, but like the kind of art that you would see on like a death metal t-shirt. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, And it's it's Rake like leaning his forehead against Dragdipper and then uh, Hood's head is on the ground, like next to him. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I've yeah. seen that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so we have it. Yeah. Also, yeah, but this there is, are no legs. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this is really funny. I, 
I was actually thinking about the uh, Squint and Absolute scene. That was my first instinct as well. That's amazing okay. because there are so many great scenes in the in these in the series. Yeah, Love yeah, it's it. like I, that, that is that is one of my favorite scenes in the in the whole series. Yeah, I mean, we just say it's small, like page count wise, it's quite quite a small scene, but you know, it has impacted all of us. So mm-hmm. that's <laughs> it's really that's really great. Uh, yeah, do you and, have anything and, like? Oh, sorry, yeah, Gavis. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say, and it speaks to Erickson's writing that there is so many gigantic moments that happen in his books that something like that that is like you know, in the grand scheme of of the story, inconsequential, that like you can just gravitate to it like that. And there are so many of those too, like not just these big like convergence moments that were like, oh yeah, those are awesome, but also like. You know, the scene between Apsar and Squint or uh, conversations between Cotillion and Traveler on Drift of Ali or something, you know, like all these tiny moments just really speak to Erickson's real strength as a writer, being able to really pull you into like a microscopic moment. And then also being able to show you these, you know, grand, very large, like over the top moments that are also incredible. Yeah, uh, Lee, do you have any scene like that you want to see? So one of the most obvious ones, which I can't describe because spoilers, is uh, the ending of Fall of Light, the very end. You know the scene. We both know the scene. Uh, we all of? know the scene. Fall of I, Light. I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. Uh, <laughs> from the Book of the Fallen, what I would describe, one thing I would really like to see is like uh, chapter 23 of the Bone Hunters, the meeting between the Imperials, because it's very uh, conservatively described, but also very vivid in the sense that the whole scene from like the halfway point onward just describes the vor st- staring the scene dead in the eye and just talking to people like just eye contact and just talks to some random guy like talks to Tamber, talks to Malik and it's just all the description is essentially how the scenes and Tavor's eyes change from Kalam's perspective and I just want to see that depicted because <laughs> the way it's portrayed and the information that is passed between the characters at that moment it's just holy shit, dude. And then obviously there's a speech from the, the, the escape from Alas City, the speech, the unwitness speech, but that's what I want to see, you know, the just the meeting of eye contact and just the fat fuck standing on the other side, like <laughs> railing against something. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you guys remember a scene in Reaper's Gale when I think uh, Silka's Ruin is told that Rake is dead? Was it Reaper's Gale? No, it has to be Dust of Dreams, sorry. Uh, he gets the news when he's walking somewhere with Rulad and then he just sinks to his knees and you know like people look away because they're not able to see his grief do you guys remember that scene at all yes. because you know yes. that stood out to me and I've, I, I that is something I would like to see like you know just, just to show that this broken man because till then we really don't know that how much is Silkas actually a brother to Rake or how much mm-hmm. he really cares for him and then when he just crumbles it just changed a lot of things uh, about his character for me so that is something I would like to see. I mean, these are all tiny moments, isn't it? Like not any artist is going to be inspired to do <laughs> stuff which, you know, concentrates on just, just people and their interactions and things like that. But Yeah, yeah. but like some yes. of the best pieces of, of fan art, in my opinion, are some of these like smaller, more intimate moments. Like my mm-hmm. number one favorite piece of fan art is it's a piece of uh, Rulad sitting alone in his throne room. It's, is there it's something just, like that? Oh, I've not yeah, seen. Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing piece. It's just like the atmosphere is just so it's, it's, it's it feels so lonely, and um, it, it, like that's a. I mean, I, I also love the like massive 
epic uh, pieces, but you know. Mm -hmm. The one with Rudert, isn't it where he leans forward, his hands yeah. kind of on the knees or something? And yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah. Remember oh, that. I've not seen that. Has, is it like, you know, a few years since it came out or something? Because yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's it's been around, it's been around for a while. Right. Maybe we have to do a we have to do an addition to the um, community resources and separate it with all the artwork we find, so it doesn't get lost like that. <laughs> I mean, the the wiki has something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah okay. Think, good. Good. And we just link to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think not many people know that you know Boronian is like the official historian of the subreddit. <laughs> He's the one in charge of preserving all this history. You know, even though he hates Deadhouse Gates and Doiker and all that, but. That's his role here. <laughs> I, I studied history, so this is a very it's very close to my heart. So I, I oh. uh, hate seeing things getting lost. So I uh, that's okay. I have to say this is a part about uh, that house gates I really love because Duika uh, watching everything as a historian and writing about it. This is amazing. But I wish he had just some more happy stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he wanted yeah. that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, allow me to tell you a joke, not allow me to tell you, <laughs> allow me to break your heart, you know? <laughs> yeah, then that would have been our number one favorite book, yeah. Uh, so, uh, in this series with the, so many duos and all that, who is your favorite? Just pick one, please. Ah, uh, that's so tough. Um, I know. God, uh, I think my favorite duo in the series um, I think it has to be, this is a lame one, but I think it has to be quick Ben and Glam. They're, they're yeah. just like Erickson taps into a thing and maybe this is born out of like, you know, them playing, uh, these characters in D and D or something, but it, the, you can just feel the bond between them, just even in their dialogue. Like they have this deep connection with each other that like that, exigent like feeling mixed with Erickson's writing just makes it so like energetic and so like um, relatable to, to read their bits together, you know, cause it, it, it just, it, it really just feels like, you know, when I'm hanging out with like my best friend or something like that, when I'm reading the Klom quick band parts, that's how it feels to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't, this is not easier for me. Um, uh, <laughs> Oh my god, this is a this is a you, difficult question. You can question. repeat if you want, like you know, it's fine. Yeah, no, I, uh, hmm. I mean, I, 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 I do love Kalama equipment, and I like. I could also say, you know, Taylor Buck or uh, um, Ikeria Mapo. Do, do, Please tell me you like. Yeah. Um, no, you know what? I'm just gonna go with with Taylor Buck. They're great. Okay. I love them. Right. So you made it easy for me to try because now I ca I don't choose Tiro back. <laughs> I go for Ikaria <laughs> with Mapo. <laughs> uh, it's it's very difficult. I think it's amazing how well uh, Ericsson writes duos. That's uh, I love it, and it's always like there's so many duos in the whole series. And um, so my number two, the top two ones are Tiro and Buck. Number, yeah, and Quick and Ben is uh, like a uh, Quick, Quick and Ben, Quick <laughs> Ben and <laughs> Caleb. They are number three, but okay. I think Ikarium Mapo, this this relationship they have, the how easy they are interact with each other, especially when we meet them early on, and you really notice how 
Mapo is there like for already, I don't know, hundreds of years together with that guy and the, the other guy doesn't remember his anything and always replaying the same things like, mm, I think I remember something. Let's go there. Okay. And then I hit you on the head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, the, the history behind it and everything, I love it. Yeah. So, but there are so many great ones, but I think I go now with Ikari Mapo. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you must have read this in on the sub, isn't it? Like people say that when you are reading the first time, you are like Ikarium because you really don't know what is happening. And it's the second <laughs> time it hits you when you're like Mapo and you know exactly how much they are going through, isn't it? Mapo is just heartbreaking. And then, you know, it just gets sadder and sadder uh, once you know what's happening with him. Poor Mapo. Uh, poor Mapo. True. Poor Mapo. Lee? Okay. Uh, this is supposed to be a lighthearted episode, but I don't have lighthearted <laughs> duos. So, out of all the ones you guys picked, because you didn't leave any of the good ones for me, uh, my favorite one is easily, from the ones that are left, uh, Sir Domin and Spinock, whom, if you actually know about anything about me, I've written extensively about them. And uh, Sin and Grub, who I've also written extensively about, but Sin and Grub are not a comedic duo in any sense of the, ba- uh, any sense of the word. Uh, Sir Domin and Spinock feel, you know, there's a sense of brotherhood of immense loss being complemented by one another. And I don't know, it just feels so... Because they both appear in, like, one book. We don't see Spinock before Till the Hounds. We see Sierra Dublin, like, two scenes, memories by the talk. And in one book, I care so much about these two. I love these two. And it's just like, all right, fuck you, Steve. Okay. <laughs> we just so, had one thing to do today, Lee. Not, not get into any heavy uh, stuff. <laughs> Sorry, from comedic duos, I don't know. Uh, God damn it, you guys picked all the good ones. Um, well, no, Guess and Stormy. Don't tell me one. Sorry, who? There's, I'd probably pick Guess and Stormy if I had to pick a comedic duo Ah. because I love the banter between the two. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, you know what? You guys have left out. You left out Picker and Blend, who is like, okay, I don't know. They are they are perfect. Uh, As much as we love Quickburn and Kalam, who are like more in the face. These two are so, so uh, you know, under the surface. You barely notice how much of a great... They blend in? They blend, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it wasn't that heartbreaking. Like, we have spoken about this before, but, you know, each time she says blend and she replies with here, and there's that one time when there is no reply, and it just, oh, it just shatters me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, their story is continued in the novels uh, by Esselmond. So, yep. I mean, in Orbs of the Throne, we briefly mm-hmm. see them. And, you know, I, I really like it. I like how the, the continuity of the couple is there. So so they are my favorite. My favorite duo. Yeah. But I think a sh- uh, close uh, second would be Taylorist and Curdle. Do you guys like that type of humor? <laughs> because I just I just laugh at, uh, each time they appear on page. Um, you know, they're, they're as absurd as, you know, Puss talking to himself and all that. Like, don't tell her we are going to <laughs> grab her do eyeballs. No, the, that... Do- Past and yeah. Mule count as a duo. Who? Past and the Past Mule. Past Mule. Do they count as a duo? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, we should we should ideally make them a duo. Yeah. Crap on his pastries. Crap on his pastries is a duo. <laughs> um. So uh. So which what do you think is like your funniest scene throughout? Like what made you laugh? Do you remember like one scene which just made you chuckle out loud? Is there anything like that? Yeah, I think mine is, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember the names, but it's the, the group that Tehol hires to, it's the women, and he meets with them at breakfast or whatever. Shand, 
yes, so Shandon, yes. all those three. Uh, yeah, yeah. And th- that whole scene is gold. Like the the banter between <laughs> him, Bog, and then them. <laughs> but then uh, the part that really got me is like uh, Till gets like an erection, and Bog like points it out. And that's just how the scene ends. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So funny. Oh, that that whole the brothel scene, isn't it? Which is decorated with the uh, boobs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 Don't stare too long, master or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, try. Do you have a funny scene? I mean, what there's there's laugh? a lot to pick from. Um, I think my number one favorite comedy moment has to be Tayho's letter. It's ah. it's just yeah. it's just so good. And you know, of course, he he doesn't let you like let the let the comedy last. He he has to like you know bring it down a bit at the end. But but you know, the letter itself is just like I, I was laughing through that whole bit. Also, um, if we're talking about comedy, I know I'm not gonna say anything spe- specific. So so I'll just say the entirety of Crackpot Trail is just some of the funniest thing, th- one of the funniest things I've ever read. It's 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 brilliant. Yeah, Brunian. Yeah, I, I had to laugh so much during these books, and that's uh, that's amazing because everybody knows Erickson or the Madison books for being like this dark, um, depressing story. But there's so many moments I had to laugh out loud. It was amazing. But one moment stuck in my mind because this was the moment I typed a whole page or two pages, I don't remember exactly, in ICQ back in the day to send it to a friend who didn't read the series, who didn't have any idea about what I was talking. And it was both hunters again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was a scene where Hellion swims through the water to the harbor and Aris Banisher. This scene, it had me, I was crying. I was, I had tears in my eyes. It was so... I was loving so much. I had to type. I had to talk to someone, and I didn't know anybody else who read the series so far. So I typed it to some to a, fr- a good friend of mine, but he didn't find it as funny because he missed all the context, of course. Uh, yeah, but I spent like fifteen minutes or ten minutes to typing it off, and I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that scene I found it so funny. That was so great. Yeah, that's my favorite comedy scene. Okay, Hartley, do you have something? So uh, the one that comes to mind immediately is uh, in the Bone Hunters again in the Imperial Warren. Kalam is hanging off of a uh, Skykeep, and then he just yeah. like tugs Cotillion's rope. Like God, damn, I don't like this Warren. He turns around and there hangs Cotillion with like an apple. He takes a bite, chews, swallows. Kalam's like, "Do you think this is funny?" Somewhat. <laughs> and then there's a whole exchange, like a page is worth. So, like I'm gonna bring you down. It's like just hang on. And um, eventually, because Kalam is like a big burly dude, Cotillion brings him down like with a bit of effort. He's like, "Easy, he's a relative term, you ox. Please hold still." <laughs> and just the entire exchange is fucking awesome. Like, and it ends awesomely because they find Stormy and Quick, uh, um, unconscious. And it's like, "Oh wait, that Stormy, like big haired, uh, big faced, always grumpy, vulgar as fuck. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Just get me down." <laughs> Uh, yeah. do, do you remember uh, how that scene ends? Uh, like, do you remember how Kalam wakes up Quickman? Because <laughs> slaps him in the face. Because of course he does. And then he wakes up and he says, "Your jaw is swollen. Maybe it got hurt when you fell or something." <laughs> 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 that is very funny. 
No, but uh, I don't know. I'm going to pick again from from Bone Hunters because well, I think this is Bone Hunters. I'm not very sure. Maybe it's Reaper's Gale. But when Helion wakes up, uh, the uh, yeah, it's Reaper's Gale. Sorry. Uh, after the beak thing is over, and Helion wakes up, and everyone has white hair suddenly, yeah. and she <laughs> she just goes through this whole process of you no know, not understanding what's going on and why have everyone you know painted their hair white? What is so funny about painting your hair white or something? I think that was that was extremely funny because you know the the whole beak thing was so emotional, and then at the end of it, you get you get this, you get a, a drunk woman waking up and not understanding what's going on. I think that made me laugh a lot. But but yeah, most of the whole stuff is funny. Like, uh, so I have uh, very silly questions now. So I hope you're all ready for that. Uh, okay, uh, we've seen most of Ericsson's interviews, and uh, you know we know how exactly he pronounces all these words and stuff. So which word do you think he's got it wrong? Like he's dead wrong. There's no way this is going to be pronounced the way he means it. Is there anything like that which you're not going Tice. to change? Ticed. I, I, I hate yeah. Ticed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, I've started saying Ticed because I don't know. I think maybe he he means it. So, I don't know. I've started saying Ticed, but I don't like it. I agree. Anything else like that that stood out to you? Did you guys say Malazan or Malazan? It changes, really. Like, I'll <laughs> switch between Malazan and Malazan. Uh, it really depends. Um, the, the one thing I cannot get over that it, it literally hurts my ears when I hear it, uh, is the the Tyst and I Tyst. thing. I, it's, yeah. When I read it, I read it as Tyst, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but ever since I've heard him say Tyst, it hurts my ears. Like, just make it a Y, man. Just make it a Y if it's Tyst. You know, like, just phonetically, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like that. I don't know. It's, it bothers me so much. He says he added the E just to make the I, the I sound like to make it the Tyst. That's why he added the E something like that. He, he tried to justify it, but yeah, he's got it wrong. No, so, I, I <laughs> I'm sorry, Erickson, but you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, anything else that stood out to you guys? Any other word? Uh, that- so, uh, I am German, so I'm kind of happy to pronounce things more or less correctly. I don't, I'm not really involved in the whole, pronunciation discussions but i i know there are people really upset about it um and also because of the audiobooks and people changing it and so so i say malison i think okay because for me an a is an a <laughs> but yeah i am happy with it and ticed i know i i know it's not ticed for me but i think um i don't care much so I'm good with it. No, I, I don't stress any syllable. Like with my accent, the, like usually I don't like pick either Malazan or Malazan. It doesn't make a difference because I just say everything in the same way. Like Malazan. Yeah, you just, you stress every syllable. Smart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's like uh, that was a very new thing. You know, I found out as an adult that English pronunciations have something called a stress <laughs> on syllables, which, you know, that's not something in my languages. So, so Tice, I agree. And I think Silkus, I, I don't like it. It's Silchas ruin is what I would say. I, like, whenever I hear Silkas, all I can think is Silk Ass Prince exactly. of a Laughing Cock yeah. from yeah. Uh, the Crippled God. And I just think, okay, this got really weird really quickly. <laughs> Silkas, yeah, I don't like that. But uh, Tyst, I've been saying Tiste Andy is, you know, when I was reading it, I used to think of it as Tiste Andy or something. Uh, is there any, any yeah, other yeah, words? But like Tiste Andy, just, it just flows with the tongue. Yeah, 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 it's all. Maybe we should ask. And, and Tyson, like, he doesn't. 
we should ask eselmont if he agreed to this pronunciation or did erickson <laughs> just come on his own did you sign off on this <laughs> yeah no but most of the other things i think we more or less have it right isn't it all the other uh, usual names do do you do you think he says do you care something weird because you know i no. i've always read that weirdly enough because i'm i'm not i'm not dutch i'm uh, but i've always read that with the uh sort of dutch accent because it's a uh, i believe it's originally a dutch word so i've always yeah. said it like doiker okay yeah it's it's i think an african so must be a dutch origin word isn't it yeah probably something like that so <laughs> So, uh okay uh we know all these uh, drinks and drugs and stuff like that which we see in malazan all your henbaras and darangs and i don't know uh, malazan dark and things like that which one do you want to try the most like what do you what are you curious to try i want to try some of that god honey that's what i want to try <laughs> the I'm only right to, answer I, yeah i'm not trying to get into you know the the darang which is just opium like yeah not trying to get into that. I already drink enough alcohol. I don't need any more of that. I want to I want to talk to a god. That's what I want to do. I want to trip until I talk to a god. Well, that's that's a great answer, yeah. Now, what what do you want to do? Uh try? Uh the god honey sounds a bit intense. I I I'm not going to lie. Uh I I I think I'd probably just stick to Durang. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As the sort of like weed uh Uh, analog uh, do you guys know that there is something called mad honey like when i was uh, doing the summaries for bone hunters yeah. and turns out that yeah there is something called uh, with because those bees i think they make the honey during the uh, flowering season of the those particular flowers and so that, that is some psychotropic uh, honey which is being sold so that was interesting so you know west uh, it's possible in uh, you know the real world you, you don't have to like hands on it <laughs> Yeah, Borondi, do you have something you want to try? Yeah, some Madison wine. I would be interested in that because I'm not interested in the beer because we have German beer and nothing's better than German beer. But <laughs> the wine, I would be curious about how, how good the wine is. Try <laughs> a, any particular? Yeah, yeah. Try an 1100 Perrin uh, vintage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we get so many uh, names of all those things, isn't it? Like Grecian wine and. Gred Gredfallen ale that's the one which you know that's the name which keeps coming up over and over yeah what about you lee oh boy um so i think i'm pretty sure some some trigal shipment had some form of fortified spirits at some point i don't remember when or where uh say for that there's like the aforementioned gredfallen ale there's canny's red there's a uh, coops dark which tastes like ass apparently but i want to taste <laughs> that because why not <laughs> and um i don't know from drugs i wouldn't really try anything because most of that sounds like you know except for maybe rust leaf because that's the weed equivalent i guess no no rust that's leaf sad. is i think tobacco isn't it yeah. right yes right hang on ah. Durang is the uh weed weed i don't know if i, I don't know what anything. is dabaing though that i don't know that some form is, of opium isn't that o- opium is a bit yeah. like opium i think probably yeah yeah because it's made for poppies yeah so yeah the buying is uh, anyway i probably wouldn't try any drugs is what i'm getting at <laughs> before i get into more trouble stay in school kids <laughs> no i think of all of them because you know this is hypothetical i would want to try the henbara tea which uh, heboric has 
to see all the visions of the jade giants and stuff like that i don't know and uh, i don't know that 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 whole scene just blew my mind when i read it uh, to see all these cosmic things happening and things like that and it was just you know just a tea like i don't know that must be something like an acid trip or something i'm not sure what's the real world equivalent of that it's i think it's supposed to be like equivalent to like dmt or something um mm-hmm. because like i don't all the all the like psychotropic stuff is so like personalized as an experience but like you know typically you're not going to have super super crazy like uh like experiences like Hebrick does on like LSD or something right that's like DMT that's like you're going to go into a different dimension for a couple of minutes you know like but yeah so I think I think it's supposed to be an equivalent of like an extremely like psychotropic drug like DMT okay i tried asking eric in that and he he didn't really give me like a solid answer so yeah. classic <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, right so we see all these uh, pets and you know all the animal characters we see which one is your favorite like your favorite pet or familiar or you know any any non human non you know human equivalent creatures if anyone is thinking maybe lee can go first do you have something uh, so Number one would be Gumble, the frog. Okay, yeah. yeah the And number frog. two would be Creature from The Gods No Willing. Oh, oh, oh no. No, no, no. Don't, <laughs> don't bring that in here. <laughs> Gumble is just like the most absurd metaphor for critics I've ever seen. That's because, uh, you know why? You know why? Because you've not read Crackpot Trail. Okay, I've never covered the trail. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, when you think about it, Gumble might be the part about Molasa that makes the least sense like within the within the lore but somehow it's still you know you just accept it and move on yeah yeah uh, i was yeah. just reading that chapter this week you know when he says i know what you're going to paint in honor of dujek it's just going to be these three scenes one outside you coral one notes, outside damn you <laughs> <laughs> you know because they're so predictable isn't it like when you want to portray a hero or someone these these are the things you just fall back into so yeah gumble is a great answer uh, i think you can go wes i was going to say it would be pretty tight to be uh to be best friends with a dragon that'd be pretty tight um but i think uh i, I can't remember its name uh but baruch's like weird flying Chill monkey yeah yeah he's just so goofy yeah uh, he's uh, we see chillbase in uh, orbs of the throne too isn't it yes yes yeah. it's the yep. same guy yeah yeah no yeah. like i'm not sure whether it's like a bokarala but it's a demon uh, because i had a impression Yeah. It's not a book that right. Uh, you guys try? Um so I really like dogs so you know bat or roach would be the would be my answer even though you know bat is a, a bit much probably. <laughs> uh but but he's loyal. He's very loyal. Uh so yeah, I'm probably going to go with them. They they obviously they come as a they come as a pair. Yeah. <laughs> uh you Boronian I'm not sure it's an animal, but I will say the mule. <laughs> Maybe it's a god. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the predominant theory is that it's actually Shadow Throne because it makes like it makes camp for a bust. Like bust turns around, doesn't yes. make camp for me, and like he turns around, <laughs> has some dialogue with Magora, turns around, like a camp is ready. Mm-hmm. It does the same um, with yeah, loading ships and all that. The the mule mm-hmm. is a very helpful one to have around. Yeah, that that that's a great pick. <laughs> Uh, I I you know what because 
i don't know we are all stuck with bone hunters in this episode so i'm going to say grey frog because there is something about a demon yeah. who is just so so much in love with skilara and you know that such a flirty demon he is and i don't know i just have a soft spot for someone like grey frog so <laughs> that would be someone fun to hang out with um right so um any any, any other pets or animals we, how come none of us brought up tufty uh, Tufty, isn't it? That's Because the name Tufty here. Because Tufty is dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but dead doesn't make him, you know, any less of a, uh, as a good boy, you know. I don't disagree, but, you know. Yeah. Listen, hanging out with Raced is so. a tough job. Oh. So. Mm. Sorry, I, di- I didn't hear you, Wes. Oh, I just said, listen, hanging out with Raced is a tough job, you know. Yeah. You, you can't. It you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to stay alive and do that. Uh, just, I mean, if if anyone about... can do it, it's Tufty. Yeah, yep. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of race, like I was just wondering, uh, on my first time, like I think till quite recently, I did not pick up that he was also Gotos' son. I thought mm-hmm. only Kiriam is Gotos' son. So any anything like that which you guys missed out on your first read or even your second read and which, you know, you found out from other people. And... Wait, I, I'm sorry, who was the god of the sun? Raced. Uh, raced. He is a Caribbean half brother. Huh. Well, yeah. I I just found that out. <laughs> yeah, I thought I hold on. Hold on. I'm going to call contention on that one because I thought in in uh, this is exegetic. This is Carcanus, yeah, no, no but I problem. thought I thought in Forge they mentioned that he's Gothos's brother, not Carium's. I I thought he was Carium's uncle. No. Mm, no. I mean, I don't know about uh, Forge of Darkness right now, but in the in the main series, it's it's uh, mentioned that he's the his son. He's the son of huh. Gethol. I'm pretty sure okay. on that. So like, no, because yeah. I calculated that Gethol is Ikarium's uncle. So I don't think I oh, yeah, remove yeah, yeah, him yeah. from yeah. race position. Yeah. So okay, try. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, really bad at keeping the the family tree straight. I mean, oh God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that um yeah, any any such things any such tiny lore which you guys missed out uh, like raised uh, I had no idea who was foreigner like I just assumed that was another name for traveler so yeah I think the the one that I didn't pick up on uh initially was um I didn't realize uh like that you know the color we see in um memories of uh, ice memories of ice yeah i didn't realize until like way later which is just me just not reading closely at all uh is you know the one who caused you know the the fall basically yeah yeah i mean all comes back to that guy all comes back i want to check this out about that <laughs> You know, I I never picked up that too. Like I did not know that Kalar was such a tyrant that they had to bring down the cripple god just for his sake. That I think that was a second read uh, information for me. I I had no idea that was going on. Yeah, yeah that in the uh, his old empire being the imperial warren was something that took me like a super 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 long time to to pick up on. But did you figure that out on your own? Because I just read the subreddit discussions. Most of this stuff, I don't think I sat and figured some things out. So mm-hmm. I, I pieced it together after like a really long time mm-hmm. um, because it's just like constantly like covered in ash and like raining ash and stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. 
but it, it took a really long time. There is a scene where uh, they see a palace, like a submerged palace, submerged in ash. Isn't it? I, I don't know. Uh, that has Kalam okay. and Kenab and the boys in the Imperial War, and, and he finds uh, Kalor's uh, sigil on one of the buildings. Yeah, yeah, there are hints, but you know, you you mm-hmm. have no idea what you're looking at until you finish the series and come back. Mm-hmm. Well, anything like that? Try. Oh, okay, I think try. I think we have covered. Yeah, if anyone uh, has a you know, <laughs> yeah, try. <laughs> already have my answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but no, I, so. I, like it's been so long since I since I first read the books, and I've read them so many times yeah. in between. Like I I I can't I can't really remember any specific any specific revelations that I got on on like subsequent read reads. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yes, Borodin, you have something. It's this, it's the same for me. Um, I read it such a long time ago, and I I know. I know for a fact that a lot of things I missed because I remember the feeling when I said, oh, <laughs> oh, ah, yes, really. But I don't remember which ones it was. Uh, so or, it has been too long. But I know that on the second read, a lot of the details suddenly made more sense. Yeah. A lot of things I was missing before, but I do, just don't remember which ones because it has been so many years. And now it's everything. It's just in my mind, like one big, you know, map of the whole uh, series yeah. like I, I i agree because like i i remember the feeling of my second read which was like everything sh- suddenly started to click but i don't remember any specifics yeah, it's just yeah, like the, the sort of general yes, it's, it's 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 exactly like that yes uh, do you guys remember in uh... i mean i didn't understand uh, sorry i didn't understand the, the ending of the book for the first time that how how the cripple <laughs> how the cripple god became suddenly the good uh, not a good guy but how um it took me a long time and some reddit posts to understand how the bone hunters through their um being kind of tortured themselves yeah. that they and they believe uh, that uh the, how they changed the cripple god mm. And how to change his his behavior and his feelings because they are because this relationship between God and uh, followers yeah. and how that made him suddenly a better person not suddenly but made him a better person. Yeah. So this was something uh, which took me very long. Yes, it, it takes sure. a lot of people. It's super a while. difficult, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is a like I mean, you've all seen this. Like, this is a very very common question for new readers. Like, what 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 the fuck happened at the end? Um, but actually, that that reminds me of um, like I, I think this is a common one uh, because I think almost everybody misses the reveal of the identities of Shadow Throne and Cotillion in Gardens of the Moon because yeah. it's yeah. it's it's pretty much revealed. It's like oh, uh, the Emperor and his and his right hand man disappeared at that exact time and like the day after these two guys <laughs> suddenly appeared and. Uh, <laughs> Who knows what could have happened? So mysterious, and and somehow nobody gets it. Well, and, and isn't uh, isn't the the epigraph for that chapter about that uh, about the, uh, Shadow I mean, Throne and I mean, to be fair, it's the it's the epigraph for the first chapter. So okay, you yeah, don't yeah, really yeah, have yeah. the context for like everything that's happening, and, and you know, it's a bit. You don't know who the rope right, is. Yeah. 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 Why did they talk about the rope? I mean, what's up with this rope? You, you don't know that the rope refers to a person at that point. It's mm-hmm. just, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
but uh, but there are people who figure it out even our read along uh, the new readers bunch figured it out quite early yeah. i was i was so surprised like like, like mean, if uh, you if you're paying yeah. attention you get it yeah yeah even the eel mm. uh, i don't know did you guys get the eel reveal on your first read i i mm. i was happy to be surprised <laughs> you are, you guys knew it 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 made sense when it was revealed mm-hmm Uh, I'm not sure anymore. Is it is it revealed when uh, Krip is uh, making? It's when he might. Radic forget the thing. Uh, was it or was it before yeah. afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. I, at some point, uh, he comes to me. I know who you are, and then he makes him forget. Was that the reveal? Because uh, I got it at that moment. If it was <laughs> the reveal, that yes, I get it at the reveal. If it was, uh, oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think it was the reveal. I I remember Wes saying that he picked up uh, Toblekai's reveal even before it happened on page. Is it like we yeah. we've had this discussion? Yeah. Yeah. The the second that he had a big wooden sword, I was like, okay, this is Toblekai from from Dead House. Yeah. yeah. When when I first on on my first read, I had pretty much forgotten about Toblekai and Dead House Gates. So like like it was cool to to reveal like, oh hey, this is Leoman, this is the whirlwind. Uh, hey, let's let's do a rebellion or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I had totally forgotten about th- that um, that uh, Toblakai was was in that state. So, kind of on a second read, that was like, uh, oh, hey, he's he's here too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, Lee, do you have something that you know you never got on your first read? Uh, one thing I missed both times is. Um... Karsa apparently destroys the statue of Fenner in House of Chains, and I have no. missed. I knew I was yeah. looking for it, and I missed it again. <laughs> so I have no idea what the fuck that is. And the second thing is uh, Tyshrin and uh, Shadow Throne talk about like uh, the Empire and the state of affairs at the end of the Bone Hunters, and Tyshrin specifically mentions that the Wiccans have Temul, and you shouldn't fear about them. If you should fear about something, fear for your own child. And I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Is he talking about the Empire? Why would the fuck would Shadow Throne care about the Empire? And then chapter 24 of Tell the Crippled God and uh, Tavor goes, I am a child of the Emperor. And I'm like, oh, I missed that completely. And then I like I the second time around, I haven't gotten there yet, but I was like thinking about this. Oh, oh, that's what he means. Oh. And uh, it was a big aha moment, you know, it's it's very nice. But I missed I missed that. And I still have no idea where that quote about uh, Carson destroying a Fenner statue is in House of Change. It's somewhere in Book One of House of Change. That's what I know. It's uh, I don't know where exactly. Know? It is. Sure, yeah. It's in Silver where... Lake. It's in Silver Lake when he escapes for like this. the the nth time. And no, no, he gets this uh, blood wood. It's like wood, chapter uh, two or something. Yeah, he gets the armor and the bottle of blood oil and all that. And you right. know, he's just rampaging, and he has a small boar statue, and he just smashes it. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. I've never figured out like why he smashes it. Like, like uh, it, it's it just like yeah, yeah. But like, what's his motivation? Like, why he just sees the statue and is like, yeah, okay, cool. I, I, I'm gonna smash this. Yeah, something like the Lowlander gods or something. Yeah, like. Lowlander yeah. gods. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the motivation itself in the moment is kind of like it, it's not super well developed. But I think it's the reason why it's there is because Erickson. I think the, the end where you know Carsa like literally kills. Fenner like that is a, a moment that was in Erickson's head from like very early on and so he wanted to foreshadow it so it didn't just come out of left field uh, so I, I think that's yeah. why that moment's there like I, I think the yeah, I mean, motivation from, from like, Erickson's point moment, of view yes yeah. but like but I, I mean I guess it's Carson like he he just yeah. likes destroying stuff 
Yeah. yeah, but he was just rampaging, isn't it? Like, hi. You know, uh, the, the scene in Toll the Hounds when uh, Rake chops off Hood's head and Hood just goes, son of darkness, I have reconsidered. I, have reconsidered. I did not get that that was a joke. I was so shocked. I thought Rake is just, you know, he was just in a hurry to cut this guy's head. Poor thing. He was, he had something, you know, to tell him. And I, I, I had to discuss with my friend that he told me that, that that's the way jagged humor works. It's that and there's dry. a quote in, in like the Crippled God where uh, Hood goes to like shirk a lull. I have recently learned a lesson in brevity that I have taken to heart. So this reminds me of another moment that is just hilarious in the books. Uh, it's um, uh, Shadow Throne. I can't remember who he's talking to, but they're talking about lawyers, basically. It's uh, Hood and Mandalorian. Yeah, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you know, uh, they're, they're talking about what they were, what they would do to lawyers, and uh, Shadow Throne's like, "Yeah, I, uh, I suggested executing all of them, and then my lawyer said that that was a bad idea." You know, that part always cracks me up. Yeah, reminds me of that that scene where where Tayhol is is where Breeze is uh, asking Tayhol for uh, for a bigger reinforcements. Uh, yeah, yeah, for reinforcements. Yeah, yeah, that 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 cyclical uh, dialogue, you know, that that type of. Uh, uh, you know, downright silly humor, goofy humor. I don't know that that just makes me laugh each time. Like everyone asks Briss, "Do you know?" No, no, I don't. I don't know. So they just deferred back to <laughs> back to Briss where they started, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yeah. So yes, uh, Buck and Shinath, uh, and they're, they're, neither of them know anything about military <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys notice all the tiny jokes in the dramatis? Like Erickson sneaks in this little things yeah like uh krupp is a what, what do you call that lee like, a man of fault mo- of fault modesty modesty yeah yeah and i i don't know bug has oh i i never read it oh you don't read the I never read it. no i don't because i think okay. i know the people <laughs> no because i never read them too like maps and dramatis i try not to spend time there because i want to get right to the story but you know some of the dramatis i once started paying attention like, do you know that Bug is entered thrice? I don't know, in Reaper's Gale or something? He's, he's Chancellor the Treasurer, Treasurer in like... Uh, uh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's in... Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a Seda as well, yeah. That's the yeah. dreams, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, has, he has three entries, yeah. I, I think you should look at the dramatis Borodian, uh, you know. <laughs> I will do <Yeah>. so. <laughs> I told the Hounds also has a really good dramatis persona. Yeah, um, right. Uh, I think I'm sort of coming to the end of my questions. Right, so it's just one uh, fine, you know. Okay, uh, you have your IRL skills and your personality and all that. If you had to go to Wu and, you know, just survive there or just live there, which place would you pick or what job would you do or what do you think you want to do there? I think I can predict Wes's answer, (laughs) but I'll let him tell. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, I don't know. Like, Wu is kind of like the, the universe of, like, Warhammer where it's just like <laughs> like horrific horrifically <laughs> violent constantly everywhere mm-hmm. um i think if uh i think if i was transported there and i had the choice of like what to do uh i would just go off and exist in the woods somewhere and just wrote like <laughs> write poetry or something because there's mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be a soldier i would die instantly uh I couldn't be somewhere outside of the empire because, again, I would die instantly. <laughs> so, a life the gods just, wouldn't notice. Right, yeah. A life the gods wouldn't notice. I just have to 
you know, find somewhere devoid of humanity and, and live there. Wes, I was so sure that you were going to pick, you know, being a barkeep somewhere. Yeah, I mean, in one I don't of the know. Or something. <laughs> no? I've been a bartender enough in my life. I don't need to do it in another life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Try it would anything. be cool to go hang out in, in Pearl or in the Black Pearl, though. That would be kind of cool. But that's because I'm a, I'm a gigantic uh, fan of the teast and I. <laughs> Being a barkeep in Smiley's? Oh, yeah, maybe. With some demons? <laughs> yeah. As long as I know that no one's going to try to assassinate me there, then we're good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, from what we know, like basically, no one goes to Smiley's. It's 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 just like a few demons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hitler is hanging out, and uh, yeah, nobody goes there because nobody can find it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I would probably want to go. I would probably want to be in Darujistan, probably. Yeah. Like, that's that's that's, yeah. That, that's probably the 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 least awful place um has its problems but you know compared to most <laughs> other places <laughs> i think they're pretty mild um yeah i i, I don't know I, I think i just like hang out there probably be like a i don't know a bard or something mm-hmm. no, that is the closest to like our civilization isn't it like it's a proper city with proper houses and i yeah, don't know of, with yeah. the government and things like that you could make that argument Baronian, what do you want to do I become a lawyer for a shadow firm. <laughs> I think <laughs> they seem to have a lot of power. <laughs> yeah, as as long as he listens to you, yeah, you'll be safe. Yeah, I think so. Me and my buddies setting up a system that we uh, that we are the, uh, that we are top all of the time. Yeah, <laughs> sounds uh, sounds good. Well, you, Lee, what do you want to do there? I mean, we mentioned uh, the barkeep with smileys, but. Uh, you remember who the barkeep in Smiley's was, right? The server wench in Smiley's? I <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really? know. It's oh. one of the demons. I don't know his name. Like. No, 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 not the demons. But when Smiley's was still operational, the serving wench of Smiley's. You yeah. know? Ah, fine. Oh god, yeah. The yeah, serving yeah. wench of Smiley's. Oh yeah, god, um, yeah. Other than that, I think the empire would be pretty awful right now. <laughs> like in the Book of the Fallen, after the crippled god. Uh. I can't think of anything. I think uh, under Tichol, the only Leatheras would be pretty nice, or Georgistan, as I've mentioned. But um, I don't know. I'll have to pick like Barky with smileys because Piddler playing songs and uh, would be pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll I'll probably join some army as a cutter. That's what I would do. Really? Because I don't have high denial, but you know. Oh yeah, the the war medics are always the safest ones. So I mean. Like in 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 Deathel's case, like we see them like having their arms just spontaneously snapped because they've they've been like using too much the null. Like, I, I don't no, know. I'm not saying the 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 mundane healers, the mundane cutters. That's what I mean. Not the mm. healers, not the denul people. Because I don't know. I can't access magic, so I'll be happy to do the the grunt work. I don't know. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like easily the two worst places in in Wu or on Wu, I should say, are Letharis and probably like deep in the Empire. Uh, just the way Erickson, especially Letharis, just being like a capitalist hellscape nightmare. Uh, mm-hmm. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah, we get enough of it here. 
But yeah, I think Wes has a has a nice answer, like go in the woods to write poetry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just try to evade death no matter what, which <laughs> is hard enough in this world, let alone the world of Malazan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Boronin, you ha- you said you have some notes or something. Do you do you have anything to bring up? Because we can start winding up now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was just... Uh, we talked about everything except a uh, favorite character in general. I mean, we oh, talked okay. about favorite duo, favorite yeah. scenes, favorite book, but not favorite characters. So this was the only one I... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, do you, do you want to tell me your favorite character? You, you have um, just one? Well, it's super boring for me. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's Fiddler. Ah, that's, it's just, that's, yeah. I mean, that's just the It's just the one character. Yeah, it's a one character in the book, which is like, it's just your no, kind of your normal guy, you know? Yeah, it's just getting calm, getting through everything and, and doing a lot, helping a lot of people. and But by not having some magical superpower. I mean, he has some talent, of course. We don't want to deny that. And he's really good at it. I mean, his, his um, readings and also his playing the fiddle and everything. I mean, there's something there. But he's still just a normal guy. I mean, the most normal guy we kind of have. Yeah. Yeah. Fiddler is quite yeah. a fan favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have something, Wes? Yeah. I, so w- contained within just the 10 with no context outside of them, my favorite character is... Uh, uh, it has to be uh, Tehol. I just I love when like Erickson explores comedy like that blatantly because a lot of Tehol's stuff is just blatantly comedic. But Erickson also like uses Tehol to like you know and again this is my personal opinion, but he he goes through like a full on like Marxist critique of Lethary's society with Tehol. Um, and it's just really interesting because that's generally not something we see a lot in fantasy, um, like general, like political critique of of a place. Um, and so, so I really like Tehol for that. But with with the full context of the outside books, my absolute favorite character is Anamanda Rake, which is yeah. which is boring. Everybody loves Rake, but <laughs> he's just everything about his his stories is like so tragic and sad and it just flavors everything he does in the books in such a different way once you have the full context of like his his arc as a person yeah try i mean baronian said it uh i i love fiddler um he's just like he gets all the best bits um you know he like the scene where he's he's playing the fiddle in in uh, the Bone Hunters is my number one favorite scene in the books, um, and like he gets like several like monologues that are just like absolute perfection. I I, I think Fiddler is, and like just he's he's just like he's so compassionate and and so human despite everything he's gone through. Uh, like yeah, I I I love Fiddler. Yuli. Please don't tell Lassine. Say anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's going to say Lassine, it's is Lee. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I, um, among the other known characters, because obviously if I had to pick one of them, it would probably be Fiddler as well, but that's lame. Uh, among the lesser known ones, uh, one of my top ones that I've not mentioned before, because I could mention Kovian, but that's lame, is uh, Janeth, actually, because I love witty characters. 
and Janath. Janath matches Dayhall's wit really nicely and brings about the best in him. Because Dayhall and Midnight Tide is like kind of whatever. He's like Bug. Is, he's yes man, right? He banters with Bug. He doesn't discuss with Bug. Janath challenges him intellectually. And their banter together, their chemistry together is really nicely written. And uh, there is one scene, for instance, where Janath basically goes, if you're going to destroy the whole economic system and take blame for it, well, someone has to. And that's when Tickle's plans unveiled fully, and you see exactly why he's doing it and what he means by it, rather than just, oh yeah, we're going to ruin the thing. Behold, gentlemen, the poor. And it's more serious. Janath brings out a more serious side in Tickle that I really like. But she's also... Some of the most hilarious has some of the most hilarious scenes with Dehole that I know of. Her scenes in Dust of Dreams where like Dehole and Bug are trying to avoid her and um Aberstall, I think it was. Because uh who can understand women and like they both know what's exactly what's going on. Both parties know exactly what each other means, but they're pretending they don't. It just I like Janath a lot because she's one of the better written seriously taken characters from uh, a female characters in Steven's books. The other one, oh boy. Well, I mentioned it. We mentioned Fiddler, uh, Rake. Sure, fine. I can't mention Lassine because that's illegal, apparently. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Shit. I don't know, actually. Yeah, I'll just settle for Jenna for now. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Jenna's good. No, I don't know. I think you all know that uh, my favorite is Karsa. It's just that one scene in Cripple God. I don't know. You can tell me any any number of things he's done so far. But that one scene with Munug, I don't know. It just, uh, it's, it's something, it's it's like, you know, it's not just that I read it. It was something that just hit me. And I still can't get over that one scene. So so it's Karsa. It's not, it's not going to change. I don't know. <laughs> so I know, I know all you guys who picked the male characters, do you want to just tell me your favorite female characters too? Because, you know, this series has so many good ones. Like, yeah. I, th- I think my favorite female character, um, even though we don't see a lot of her as Corlot, there's just something like it's the same thing because uh, I also like grew up on Lord of the Rings. I really love Lord of the Rings a lot. Um, Tolkien's work is really close to my heart, and so uh, Corlot really reminds me of both Luthien? Arwen and no. Luthien. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there, there's just something so like heartbreaking and tragic about her story, and also just so like deeply like relatable and beautiful um and all of her all the scenes that we do get with her uh are, are really just beautifully written you guys try uh so i'm i'm trying to pick between picker or um or absalom yeah um i, oh, I think you have um, to please answer i, I, I think i'm Just doing <laughs> <laughs> why because you're gonna say absalom <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. She's been number number two character all in all. Number two uh, favorite. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go with Picker. She's she's just <laughs> she's just great. Uh, like I, you know, I, I I love them. I love them both. Uh, but yeah, Picker and and like and honestly, like blend as well. Uh, like they and and their relationship is just like so. Like you know, it, it's 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 even hard to like pick out anything specific. It's just like they. She feels like. A person, and and yeah. you know, you know, someone, someone that you know could exist. Um, so yeah, that's why I, I I like Picker. Also, she's funny. I think 
I think because <laughs> she's great. She's also a very uh, down to the earth person, mm -hmm. uh, type of person, and getting through it, and and always having self jobs about her being uh, like her job, and uh, if she's good enough, and she's just doing well. But like like a normal person, that's that's something I really enjoy about it too. But uh, my pick is uh, <laughs> my number two favorite character pick also, Absola. It's just uh, her, the way she, she develops. She started this super naive, not knowing anything Fisher girl, being possessed by some god and having no clue and then developing in her own person. And that last part of her of her journey is done so wonderful and so so great. And then the, the way she... She struggles with her relationship with Cutter, or on, I mean, um, Crocus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, I love it. I just love that and how she. She also becomes this strong, very strong character. She, she starts from this Fisher girl. I mean, we have that often in fantasy books that we have this like this young person being like a lot of the ring started with, with like this little hobbit having no idea what's about the world and then becoming the the hero of the story. But in this case, it was done differently. And that's what I enjoyed so much. And she wasn't the main character of the, sh of the series. Not like, oh, wow, we have Absalom. She started in book one, and now she's the main character, and she will kill the crippled god, and the, the bad bad guy in the end, or something like that. No. She just she developed in a person who said, I want to have my life back, or some kind of life. Who am I? And, and stuff. And so this is, once again, Erickson subverted some trope there, and he did it in a wonderful way. I love it. And that's why she's my, yeah, she's my top three, of course, and my top female character. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think Lee already picked Janet. I so did pick Janet. Uh, so for male characters, I'm pretty partial to Fisher. I really like Fisher. Fisher, okay. She only, okay. only original the hounds in the Book of the Fallen, but just, I mean, a bard that can also kick ass. Yes, please, sign me up. Yeah, but does he really kick ass and told the hounds? He like, like apart beats from the shit out of people, and then like um, I think it's who does. I remember Fisher just walks up to somebody and just like blackmails him, like Blend does to humble later. Fisher just like mm -hmm. walks up to someone, and leave us the fuck alone, and so, it's just it's 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 my jam. I I really like that. I don't know. I don't know. One of the because this we are keeping this light. One of the female characters whom I really enjoy is uh, Skilara. She just feels right. extremely, extremely relatable to me. Like, like all the things she goes through and all these thoughts she has. And I don't know, there was not one point at which I thought, you know, maybe, maybe she's not behaving like what I would expect someone in her position to behave. Like everything was just perfect about her. And but that was perfect. Her, her whole story was, I don't know, I'm biased, obviously, because I saw more of her in, uh, in the novels of the Empire. But, you know, Skilara just, uh, just stays with me. If you're not talking lighthearted, I would pick <laughs> probably the Maib because, you know, you just see someone, uh, she's such a, uh, you know, use and throw character, isn't it? You just see her, she gives birth to the, the main hero, the, the one who's going to move the story forward. And then no, no other author would just pick her, isn't it? Like she would just be thrown by the wayside. And then we have so much of her story and so much of that is explored. And that, that really, you know, I mean, I obviously I was deep into the series by then. But when we saw that Memories of Ice is going to pick up her story and keep continuing, it just made the whole series like extra special for me. Like there are no like expendable characters. That, that that's the way I felt when when we saw that the Mai is being picked up. So that was yeah. Yeah, that and I mean, it's just a perspective you never get in in 
fantasy especially, but like even outside of fantasy, there's not many books that I can think of that would take the perspective of, you know, a mother who like has basically like postpartum depression and like hates her child to a certain extent, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and it's just such an interesting perspective to take. And it is, you know, like just so human, like, and, you know, we keep talking about this with Erickson's writing, but he, he is just extremely good at just tapping into these very particular emotional states of people and just really exploring them Um, and really making you understand on like a deeply personal level, somebody who like kind of does hate their child and you like understand their relationship and why she would feel that way. I don't know. It's the vibe stands out to me as a character that like, you know, I don't think many writers would, even like try to attempt it. Yeah. So yeah, we, we sort of keep seeing the same thing, isn't it? Through all 10 books, the same theme of being compassionate to someone, you know, in spite of everything they're doing, in spite of it, you, you know, you just make sure that you, you give them that generosity of, you know, seeing their point of view. Right. So it's been like 90 minutes. Should we, should we start winding up? <laughs> Do you want to take the last question? Um, about the favorite quotes and all should i start off my favorite i don't know actually okay, There's okay a... no i'll go because i don't have an answer so okay. let me just yeah <laughs> sure. Sure. yeah uh, do you guys want to tell me like you know just your absolute favorite quote uh among all the 10 books anything which you know yeah so ironically i have uh i keep this really nerdy but i keep a, a google a google doc of every book that i've ever read and then i'll put like a quote that really grabbed me from from that book and then usually because I, I listen to music a lot when i read too so i'll also attach like the album that i was listening to at that time for for that particular book and my hands down favorite quote out of the series um let me see where it's at here uh it comes out of told the hounds obviously <laughs> um and it's uh i can't i i don't ever mark down like the exact page number where it came out of but it's uh when one can possess loyalty even in the straits of full brutal understanding then that one understands all there is to understand about compassion and that is i mean one that just sums up the entire series and two it is just such a short beautiful little like statement to make you know that's that's a quote that is really really close to my heart from allison uh, try. I mean, this is a this is a really, really, really difficult question. Um, as I'm sure you you guys know, uh, when I did my second reread, my third total read, I I picked out uh, quite a few quotes and uh, dumped them all over the subreddit as I read. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, hmm, picking just one is 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 absolutely impossible. But um, one that I I think has always been that i've always really liked not because it's like not because of how philosophical it is i guess it is kind of but um it's uh, from told the hounds and it's uh, uh the soul knows no greater anguish than to take a breath that begins with love and ends with grief it's just yeah, uh yeah. like that yeah. line just like hits like a truck uh, i could i could literally pick up like a hundred other quotes and i think that's <laughs> lowballing it uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one. Okay. Uh, you, Baronia? Try Your Choice was a really, really good one. Yeah. Uh, this was one I had in mind too, but um, 
I chose a different one for this question. It's it's from Dead House Gates. It's um, children are dying. I I'm a teacher and I'm a historian. So I studied history. Let's say it that way. And so both things he expressed or combined this quote is just speaking to me. That's a succinct summary of humankind, I would say. Who, who needs tomes and volumes of history? Children are dying. The injustices of the world hide in those three words. And that's so true. And I love it for that. But it's also expressed very well the whole tone of the book. Yeah. I think when I read that, uh, the children are dying thing, do you, do you guys remember, oh, this is very heavy for, you know, for the <laughs> podcast theme we wanted to keep. But, you know, that, that just, yeah, that just hit me so much because I think the refugee crisis was going on, uh, the Syrian refugees and all. I'm, I'm sure you have the image of this, uh, you know, the drowned boy, which I don't know, it, mm. just, it, mm. just, it just shattered me when I read that children are dying because... You know, that, that's so perfect. That so perfectly tells you what, you know, that's all the injustice you need to know, really. Yeah, sorry. I think we should... <laughs> Lee, do you have something, you know, emotional or funny? Please, <laughs> please uh, save us. <laughs> I have, uh, like, 10 different quotes. I, I could go literally all of the hounds here. My favorite <laughs> quote is all the hounds. Like, two of them would be... One would be, uh, no tyrant can thrive in a land where every subject says no. The tyrant thrives mm. when the first fucking fool salutes, which is just... I love that quote. Yeah. The yeah. other one would be... Uh, it is the curse of believers to second-guess those who they choose to worship. In your silence, what choice do they have? Every choice in the world, my friend. Yeah. And the third quote I have is um, from The Crippled God, chapter 11. Uh, it goes somewhat like, um, the historians will compose a, a book of the fallen. They will overturn every stone looking for hints of ambition, and in so doing, they will miss the whole fucking point. Fallen one, we're all your children. Which I get, this isn't like funny or emotional, but like these are the quotes stuck with me for a while. Like, especially the first one, I wrote a whole essay because of that one quote. So, you know, like, I love that quote. I love the Tyrant quote a lot. It's just. <laughs> so, from funny quotes, I don't really have anything except the Catalian scene I mentioned earlier, the Bone Hunters, that was like the just the apple chewing and the somewhat. Just that is the funny quote I have for today. <laughs> <laughs> but Malazan isn't really a treasure, uh, a treasure gold mine of like funny quotes. There's a lot of comedy, but it's not like you can quote it and it makes sense in all contexts. I don't know. There is one thing which makes sense, which makes everyone laugh in context, like without context. The I'd kill the mule. Yeah, I'd kill the mule. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know yeah. why everyone just loses <laughs> the it. Mule. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the one which I personally like is the one with Itkovian. Compassion is truly priceless. Because, you know, that's somewhat something which, you know, makes me think about every day. Like, you know, I, I try to think about that. Like when I'm feeling, you know, uncharitable, like I try to remind myself that, you know, this is, it's, it's compassion. Like who am I to judge people and, you know, be less than compassionate to anyone. So that that, that stays with me, Itkovian's quote, right? So I think we've got full, uh, you know, from light to quite dark at the end here. Yeah. <laughs> So, right. So, do you guys have anything else you want to bring up, or? Uh, I will just say, that, uh, since you mentioned Nikovian, that is a, another one of my favorite quotes. Is the the one he repeats again and again over the I'm course of Memories of Ice. Yeah, I'm not yet done. That yeah. that is 
gotten me through some stuff, you know, as, as somebody, again, bringing the mood down a little bit, but, uh, you know, as somebody who, who suffers from like severe depression and anxiety, that is, that is a quote that truly is like really helped me through some, through some stuff. So that's, that Ecovian quote is one of my favorites for sure throughout the entire series. Like, I think we just proved today that it's impossible to discuss Malazan and not, you know, not get emotional. I mean, and- it's just... <laughs> It's that kind of series, you know? I mean, we just tried our best. A light discussion on Alasan is is a bit of an oxymoron. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, it's like, let's let's tell some jokes about Berserk for three hours, you know? It's a a fraught endeavor. So, um, thank you all. Thank you guys so much for coming. Do you guys want to say an individual goodbye? And then we can wind up. Yeah, well, Again, thanks for putting this together. This was a ton of fun. I'm always down to to do something like this again. Um, yeah, thank you. Provided your schedule allows, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm five I don't hours think... behind. And, yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, no! It's like you you're just packed, isn't it? Your schedule is usually packed. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit better for like the next six months. I'm not, I don't have as many classes and stuff, so it, it's a little bit better. But yeah, I I get your point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. This was a ton of fun. Uh, I I would love to to do something like this again at some point. Again, if 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 the if schedules allow. Um, yeah. But yeah, thanks for having us. Um, Moronian. Yeah, thanks for the invite. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the time here, and I will look forward to the next time we come together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, soon. It has been a blast, Trent. Thank you very much. Uh, here's hoping to next time being soon. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Lee. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Maura. Thank you, everybody. Uh, so, I believe uh, we'll keep us, uh, yeah, some brevity. So, good night. See you later. <laughs> and uh, yeah. fare you well. And next time, maybe we can have more fun and talk about, you know, the that historical and philosophical uh, <laughs> aspects of, of, you know, yeah. <laughs> imperialism. <laughs> Woo! Sure. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, all right. <laughs> Till next time. Thank you, gents. Yeah. Bye bye. Farewell. Bye.